0: time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us?
1: This is The Financial Physician with Lou
0: Skatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio.
1: It's also my pleasure to see to it the decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad
0: pirates. This is Financial advice you can take to the bank he's your money man show me the money
1: your source for straightforward no nonsense financial advice
0: bring me your money questions because i'm here to help and now here he is the financial physician
1: america's money doctor
0: lou scatigna greetings my friends how are you today welcome to The Financial Physician, Luce Katigna here, Certified Financial Planner and Your Money Doctor each and every Sunday on The Financial Physician. We have two hours of money talk. We talk politics, markets, uh, economy, uh, personal finance, anything that affects your life here on The Financial Physician. You want to be part of the program, you have a financial question or comment anytime during the show, 732-237-9626 is our call number. Today is our first day at our new time slot. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're on now. We were on for six months, 6 a.m. Sunday morning to 8 a.m., uh, an ungodly two hours. And uh, we're starting today, 7 to 9. So doesn't sound like one hour makes a big difference. Let me tell you, it, it does in my routine. Now, of course, do you think that I slept an extra hour this morning? No, I was up 3 o'clock. <laughs> I was up. Uh, I was up the same time, or if not earlier, than I was when the show was six o'clock. Uh, I just couldn't sleep this morning, so I was up early and preparing for the li- to the last minute uh, to bring you our our information pack show. Uh, Paul, how you doing today? Good morning, Lou. Doing good. Mm, good. Um, how you feel about our new time slot? Pretty good, right? Yeah, this uh, is seven nice. o'clock, and uh, uh, you know it's good from a lifestyle perspective for us, but. But more importantly, for the audience, um, you know, my biggest concern was that, you know, who's up six o'clock Sunday morning wanting to listen to this show? You know, uh, seven o'clock, a little more palatable. And certainly the eight to nine block, uh, I think, will be the most listened to time uh, here on the program. And, uh, of course, many of you listen to the podcast. We, we appreciate that at the financial physician dot com, where right after the show, the show is uh, available through the podcast. And uh, the number one. Financial podcast at Podomatic, uh, and you guys have made it that way. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, whether you're listening live or you're listening to the podcast, we don't really care. And uh, if you uh, want to listen live but you're not in the area of the studio here in New Jersey, uh, we have the Listen Live link at com, where we can do that. So anyway, if my voice sounds a little weird, I'm still recovering from my COVID um, had over the last two weeks. And uh, it kind of kicks your butt. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, I avoided it for a year and a half and taking all my supplements and everything else. And, uh, you know, it wasn't horrible. But, you know, I had two two weeks of, of nonstop coughing uh, and, more importantly, tiredness. I mean, I, I, I'm not one to nap. I'm not one to sleep during the day. And every day for the last two weeks, I was sleeping um, uh, at least two hours a day. Uh, and sometimes twice a day, you know, so uh, that that's the way it hit me. Uh, I was really tired. Uh, and I have it back you know, tomorrow. will be my first day back in the office uh, in two weeks. So uh, we're mending. If my voice sounds a little whacked, it's, you know, we're still repairing that. If I cough here or there, it's just uh, the after effects of it. I'm, I feel great. I'm fine. Um, and uh, my wife and I actually had a pretty good time of COVID. It wasn't that bad. All right, that's all of today's program. And I want everybody to think about one thing this morning and every day this week. I want you to think about your death. I want you to think about dying. I want you to think about it all day today, and I want you to think about it every day this week. Now, why do I want you to think about your death? Well, A, we're all going to die sooner or later. (laughs) The way things are going probably sooner rather than later. Uh, between (laughs) everything that's going on. Uh, But I want you to think about what would happen if you died today or tomorrow or this week. What would happen? What would happen to your survivors? What would happen to your estate? And are you prepared to die? Now, I would say most people are not prepared to die. Uh... (laughs) probably spiritually more than anything, but 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 more importantly, financially, a lot of people are not prepared to die. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to prepare for it. They don't want to think about their, their mortality. Oh, I'm too young. It can't happen to me. Well, we're hearing every day people dying suddenly. We'll talk about that later in the program, uh, how these young people are dropping dead all over the place. Nobody tells you why. I I think I know why. Uh... But it doesn't matter what your age is. Now, you really do have to think about what will happen to my finances, my survivors, if I die tomorrow. And am I prepared? And if I'm not prepared, what do I got to do to become prepared? Now, I'm seeing more and more new clients coming to me. uh, Their parents just died. Uh, uh, Or their spouse just died. And what a mess they leave behind. I mean, their estate planning is either non-existent or or, uh, very sketchy. There's all kinds of problems that we have to deal with because that individual never prepared to die. What will happen to your survivors? How prepared are you to make their transition after you die easier? Now, we could talk about the basics. We could talk about do you have a will. I mean, that's number one. I mean, without a will, your whole estate is a mess. And if anybody out there knows anybody who died without a will and had to deal with it, you know what a mess that can be. Especially if you're sick. Or knows anybody who died without a will and had to deal with it. Not as big a deal, or it is. as big as if you're single if you're single and you're not married right where does all this stuff go where's all your assets go who takes care of your estate another thing if you are married what's going to happen to your spouse how informed are they about the financial situation in the family Especially if you have a complicated financial life. Maybe you have a lot of different investment accounts, retirement plans. Maybe you own a business. Does that surviving spouse going to know where all the money is? Where all the important documents are? The life insurance you have and where the policy is? Now, I find in many families, that uh, it's usually one spouse who, who drives the car financially, and the other spouse is, is lost, doesn't know. And I've stressed this on this program and in my book, The Importance of Spousal Teamwork and to both be on the same page and both be involved in the finances. But in most families, that's not the case. In my family, it's not the case. My wife don't want to know about it, but I have a list of everything and I got a business partner that would, would, would advise her, um, you know, so she'd be okay. I would prefer that she was more involved, uh, but she doesn't want to be, but does your spouse know what to do? If you were to pass, especially suddenly, look, if we have illnesses and, uh, you know, our health is in decline, you know, we we, we see the end coming. We could prepare a little bit better for it. But how many people now, you know, die suddenly? They get sick. We had the COVID pandemic. People were dying at all different ages. And now we have uh, issues with people having vaccine injury and, and deaths, which we'll, again, get into later in the program. You could have a sudden accident or or something terrible happens, and we don't plan for it. So obviously, the older you get, uh, as your health declines, the more important it is uh, that you do your estate planning properly. But we should do it at any age. Now, Young people say, you know, I'm married, I'm young, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of assets. Why do I need a will? Well, if you have children, you need a will. What if you have a simultaneous death with your spouse? Who's going to be the um, guardian of your children? That goes in a will. Real important. Sometimes more important than someone who's older who has financial issues that the will has to deal with. What's more important than your children, right? And who's going to be their guardian? And, uh, you know, that's the one thing that I think a lot of young people drop the ball on uh, is they don't do their estate planning because they don't think they have much that they have to really worry about. Now, when I was younger, uh, my kids were young. uh, I uh, named uh, one of my brothers to be the guardian of my children. God forbid something happened to two of us. My wife and I traveled a lot, and, you know, God forbid, we, we died simultaneously. Now, of course, you want to discuss this with the person you're going to name his guardian, that they want to do it. Uh, but uh, he agreed to do it, and I put it in my will. Thankfully, I never had to to use that clause. Obviously, my kids are adults now with their own kids and so forth. So make sure that you do the the basic, at least the basics of estate planning, Uh, get a will, power of attorney, living will. It's just amazing to me how many people, older people, new clients that come to me and I ask them, all right, let's talk about your estate planning. Let's talk about your will. Uh, Yeah, I haven't done it yet. I I need to get a will. I mean, you're 60-something years old. Why don't you have a will? You'd be amazed at how many people don't have a will. Something very simple. Get a will. Think about dying tomorrow. Because you you can. It happens every day. People die suddenly. Get a will. This week. It's very easy to do. You can go online, just type in a will template, and you'll see how many uh, free or cheap sources of uh, preparing a will are. You don't need a lawyer to prepare a will. A will could be actually on a napkin if it's witnessed properly. So you don't really need an attorney to do it. Unless you have a very complicated estate issue where you may need trust or things like that, you don't need an attorney. I'm sure attorneys are bristling when I say that, uh, but you don't. I did my own will. And I have a relatively complicated situation. I own a business, number of investment accounts and so forth. Uh, It wasn't a big deal. I uh, assisted my father in doing his will. Again, online, cost nothing. power of attorney you know what happens if i become disabled who's going to pay my bills and take care of my investments well you want to name somebody to do that a living will is now very important obviously especially in the state of new jersey the they'll keep you alive no matter what unless you have a living will that states what you want done and not done Look at every account you have and decide, you know, is it properly uh, titled or is there a proper beneficiaries on it? Because there's three different ways that money transfers to somebody. A, in a will. B, titling. And C, beneficiary. Now, the will only handles accounts that don't transfer due to titling or beneficiary. So if you have an IRA account, a 401k, an annuity, an insurance policy, all these things have beneficiaries on them. So you want to make sure that the beneficiaries are up to date and the way you want it to be. If not, make the adjustments. So what's titling? Titling is when you have a joint account with somebody. In most situations, the survivor on the account gets the money if you die, regardless of what your will says. So if you put your daughter's name on your brokerage account or bank account because you think it's easier to take care of business that way, just realize that your will has useless now on that account. That's going to your daughter. Because she's the survivor on the account, and this is where people make the big mistakes. There's no such thing as putting a child's name on an account. That doesn't exist. What you've done is you've gifted half the account to them, and they're going to inherit the other half when you die. A little more complicated, right, than just putting somebody's name on an account for for convenience. I see this all the time, and that's why I'm bringing it up. I talk about estate planning a lot in this program because this is where people make the big mistakes. And when I say big mistakes, I mean big mistakes. Hugely big mistakes. Here's an example. Uh, I'm dealing with a new client now. And uh, they came to me last month, and they said that, Uh, The next outdoor neighbor, who they were friends with for like 40 years, uh, left everything to them. And it was a sizable estate. That must be nice, inheriting in your neighbor's $2 million or whatever it is. But we looked a little deeper into it. And what she did is uh, a few months prior to this person dying, who had cancer, she thought that she had shifted everything to her friend the next door neighbor to inherit everything so she contacted her broker uh, for her IRA account which had a sizable amount of money in it and said I want uh, to change the beneficiary from my brother to my friend and the brokerage firm said okay well you know here's the paperwork for you to do that and she signed everything and whatnot and we called the broker after the woman died and. uh assuming that the neighbor inherited the entire account. But as it turns out, in that account was listed two annuities worth about $600,000. But the annuities weren't in that IRA account. It was just being accounted for. Brokerage: What brokerage firms do sometimes is that if they sell you an annuity, it's at an insurance company. That's where the annuity is. It's not in your IRA account. It could be an IRA, but it's not in your brokerage IRA account, although they will still list it as an asset there. But you have to actually go to the insurance company and change the beneficiaries on the annuities, which were not done. So what happened was, is the brokerage firm dropped the ball here. They should have said, look, you know, we could change uh, the beneficiary in the IRA, but you have to go to the insurance company and make sure those annuities are changed. Well, that never happened. So we found out that the brother was still the beneficiary of the two annuities worth over $600,000. Totally against the wishes of the deceased. And uh, that dropping of the ball uh, is costing my client $600,000. What makes it even worse, actually, is that there's a 15% inheritance tax because the brother's inheriting it, which is coming out of the residual estate, which is her money. So not only is she not getting the $600,000, she has got to pay 15%, which is almost 100000 in inheritance taxes for the brother. Meanwhile, uh, the deceased thought she had changed everything to the neighbor. So see how these mistakes can could be huge? Absolutely huge. So you want to make sure all your beneficiaries are right. If things change in your life, you know, another grandchild is born and you want to allocate some money to them or whatever, you got to adjust your will and your beneficiaries and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is especially true, as I said earlier, if you're married, chances are everything is just going to go to the spouse, either through title. Most people who are married have joint accounts in almost everything. If they have an IRA, or 401k, the spouse is named the beneficiary. It's just when, when there's only one left, when we have to make sure that we make changes, Right, You know, your spouse dies. You better next day, well, not the next day, but shortly thereafter, you better go get on the horn and make sure that you change the beneficiaries on all your accounts to your children or whatever. Now, sometimes you put contingent beneficiaries in there. Uh, if something happens to you, uh, uh, your spouse, then it goes to my children. You know, you could do that. You do that in the will as well. But I got to tell you, so many people, their spouse dies, and they drop the ball, and they don't make the adjustments to the beneficiaries or the, or the will, and we got a big problem. Another thing you may want to consider as we think about our death, uh, is there any gifting strategies that make sense? Well, Why would you gift money? For two reasons. The first reason is long-term care. If you see your health declining and you're concerned that you may go into a nursing home and you, you want to start a five-year look-back period, maybe you gift the house to your children or gift the brokerage account or money or whatever. The second reason you may want to do that is to avoid inheritance tax. As I said before, in New Jersey, you know, if you're not a direct descendant, you're not a, a, a child or grandchild or parent, uh, you're going to pay inheritance tax, which is roughly 15% of the amount you inherit. So if you want somebody to get assets and avoid the inheritance tax, you can do two things. Gift them that asset well in advance of your death. That'll avoid the inheritance tax if you do it. I think it's two two years prior to death here in New Jersey. And then think about it. I mean, I, I settle estates all the time, and, you know, when you see, uh, in this case, I was telling you where the neighbor inherited uh, all the money, uh, all the beneficiaries, including the brother, uh, are, are subject to inheritance tax. So on a two million dollar estate, the inheritance tax is three hundred grand that goes to the state of New Jersey, come out of their inheritance. It's an abomination. I mean, it shouldn't happen in the first place, but it does. But there's a way of avoiding that. A move out of the state of New Jersey a couple of years before you die, that would make sense. Especially if you have a sizable estate that's going to to not go into your children and you want to save those hundreds of thousands of dollars in inheritance tax, it may make sense to change your domicile to a state that doesn't have inheritance tax. Do people do this often? No. They don't even think about it. Sometimes they don't care about it. They're saying, well, look, what do I care when I'm gone? These aren't even my kids inheriting it. Let them pay the inheritance tax. But it can be avoided. Down the line. So I want you to seriously think about your death this week. I know it's morbid to do, uh, but are you prepared to die? Ask yourself that question. Are you prepared to to die spiritually, and are you prepared to die financially? Uh, Because if you're not on either end of that, you better get right, (laughs) because you got a lot of problems ahead of you. Uh, and, uh, as we're seeing more and more people entering their older life, uh, we're seeing a lot, a lot of people, uh, making mistakes at the end of their lives. And, uh, I talk about it a lot on this program cause I'm dealing a lot with it in my practice. And, uh, I see these mistakes made and you know, you can't go back in time and fix them. That's the problem. And it's a big problem. Let's take a break. 732 237 9626 is the call number. My name is Lou You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, Certified Financial Planner, Personal Finance Author, President of AFM Investments, and Host of the Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and decide. Discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no obligation appointment today by calling 732 905 8100 That's 732 905 8100 Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on career. career in real estate call my brother mark skatigna at coldwell banker flanagan realty his number is 732-657-6200 that's 732-657-6200 mark skatigna coldwell banker flanagan realty give him a call you'll be happy you did
1: Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations will you help they greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies like small bottles of shampoo lotion mints and more please visit always supporting our military on facebook email pasr at yahoo.com or call 908-278-9561 that's 908-278-9561 every little bit helps Call The Financial Physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Lou Katigna.
0: All right, welcome back to The Financial Physician. Lou Katigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor every Sunday, 7 to 9, live here on 92.7 WOBM uh, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com where we have the podcast that uh, Paul puts up right after the show's over. So if you tune in and you miss part of the program, no excuse. Just go to the and you can listen to the part of the show that you missed. And um so many of you do listen to the show. I'm I'm just amazed and by, by Saturday, by Sunday night, uh we have hundreds of downloads of the program. So a lot of you are listening to the podcast. That was certainly true when we were on at six to eight, so maybe we'll have more live listeners now that we're on seven to nine. Um, but anyway it doesn 't matter how you listen to the program uh just go to thefinancialposition.com dot com and listen at your leisure and instead of listening to for the whole two hour program you can listen in pieces and uh and um, it 's easy to navigate it 's uh you know it 's a really really good podcast situation there at the uh dot com love your emails lou at the dot com you have something you want me to cover on this show or you have a personal finance issue that you, you could use some help with, always there to help you out at the uh, Lou at com. All right. There's an old saying. It's called, don't fight the Fed. And what does that mean? It means that if the Fed is dubbish, you'll hear these terms about hawkish and dubbish. What does it mean? Uh, dubbish means that the Fed is uh, keeping interest rates low. Printing a lot of money, buying bonds, and providing a lot of stimulus and liquidity to the markets. Well, markets love that, and that's the way the markets have been. Actually, the Fed has been up until recently um, for years. We had interest rates at zero. They were doing quantitative easing, printing money every month to the tune of $120 billion and buying bonds, and everybody was partying, the markets were going up, and everybody was happy. So, you don't fight the Fed. You know, the Fed is being accommodative. You want to own stocks, you want to be in the stock market. But when the Fed's raising interest rates, doing quantitative tightening, which means selling bonds off their balance sheet and being very restrictive with monetary policy, it's really bad for stock and bond markets. And we've seen that this year. The Fed's been raising rates quite aggressively. And it's taken its toll on stocks and bonds. It's been the worst stock market and bond market in fifty years. So the markets are always looking forward to when the Fed speaks, when the Fed meets. Uh they meet every six weeks to determine what they're gonna do with interest rates. Well, the whole market waits and waits and waits and listens to every Fed governor leading up to the meeting. What are they saying? What does it mean? Are they going to raise rates? How much are they going to raise them? Are they going to talk about the future? And markets pivot on what the Fed does and says. Now, once a year, the Fed chairman goes to a a meeting with investors at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And he uh, does a speech. And a lot of times he talks about monetary policy in a big way and uh, markets – Watch it with bated breath. Now, this Friday was his speech at Jackson Hole. And the markets felt that, well, maybe he's going to be a little bit more dovish. He's going to, you know, say, we're going to see what happens with the the economy. Uh, You know, it's slowing down. Maybe we won't raise interest rates as much or whatnot. And the economy was pretty – the markets were pretty much bracing for that. Uh, And there was a lot of talk, you know, in the financial press that the stock market was going to take off on this meeting because there's no way, given what's happening in the economy with the housing market and everything else, that the Fed is going to say anything to derail or make anything worse. But the Fed did. The Fed came out and Fed Chairman Powell spoke and he mentioned something uh, that really spooked the markets. And he said that uh, he's prepared to cause some pain to bring down inflation. Now, I want you to listen to this. Now, every word that the Fed speaks is very important, and they parse every word. But listen to what he had to say, and this was the the money uh, quotes uh, that the markets reacted to. Conditions.
2: While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. We must keep at it until the job is done. History shows that the employment costs of bringing down inflation are likely, likely to increase with delay, as high inflation becomes more entrenched in wage and price setting. The successful Volcker disinflation of the early 1980s followed multiple failed attempts to lower inflation over the previous 15 years. A lengthy period of very restrictive monetary policy was ultimately needed to stem high inflation and to start the process of getting inflation down to the low and stable levels that were the norm until the spring of last year. Our aim is to avoid that outcome by acting with resolve now. So these lessons are guiding us as we use our tools to bring inflation down, we are taking Forceful and rapid steps to moderate demand so that it comes into better alignment with supply and to keep inflation expectations anchored. All
0: right. So what he's saying here is that uh, he's hell-bent on breaking inflation. And if you and me and the businesses have to have some pain, then so be it. And uh, the markets reacted violently to this. On Friday, um uh, the Dow closed down over 1000 points over 3% for the day. Uh the S&P was down 3.37% for the day. The Nasdaq was down almost 500 points, which was 4% for the day. Uh these are big declines. This is a stock market crash basically. Um For the week, the Dow was down a little over 4%, about four and a quarter. S&P was down four for the week. NASDAQ down five. So after um, we had a very, very bad beginning of the year, first six months, Uh, in July we had a pretty nice rebound in financial markets. Uh, But now uh, after the Fed came out on Friday, it looks like uh, the bear market now has resumed. Uh, Year to date. Uh markets are still down big. The, uh, the Dow's down over 11%. S&P 500 down almost 15%, 15%. And the NASDAQ, which has a lot of the tech stocks in it, are down 23% for the year. Bond yields went up. Uh, obviously, if the Fed's going to continue to raise rates, uh, it's not good for bonds. So we have the 10-year Treasury bond yielding over 3% again, 304 Uh, and, uh, now expectations are that the Fed, when it meets in September, uh, is going to raise interest rates three quarters of 1% again, which would be the third straight three quarters of 1% increase. Uh, so, uh, Fed Chairman Powell, you know, it's, it's really disingenuous though. He comes in and says, we have to do this. We have to do this to battle inflation. You caused inflation in the first place. (coughs) By keeping interest rates so low for so long, printing money like crazy, then you had uh, uh, Congress and the administration with all the stimulus money, the trillions of dollars that were created. And now you have inflation, and now we got to have the pain of battling it. Well, maybe we should have just avoided the inflation in the first place and not done things that cause inflation. But that's another story. So uh, be prepared for more pain. Uh, and he goes on to say, "We're going to crush demand." All right, so he, he, you know what he's going to do? How do you crush demand? You make people poor. That's how you crush demand. If you're poor, you don't have any money. You can't bid up prices. If the value of your assets go down, well, your wealth is is is, is crushed. How many people now? See, their 401K is down 20%. Well, there's something called the wealth effect. If I have 20% more and less in savings, I'm not going to be motivated to go out and maybe spend money that I shouldn't be spending. If my stock portfolio is up, maybe I spend more. Same is true of housing. How many people's net worth have gone up a lot because their home's gone up the last few years? Well, now we have mortgage rates, 30-year fixed-rate mortgage at 5.90%. Up from 5.68 a week ago. So we're going to be over 6% in mortgages probably this week. What does that do to demand in a housing market? It crushes it, right? Lower demand, more supply, prices go down, it's... uh, Economics 101. So the Federal Reserve is obviously um, prepared to uh, cause some pain in everybody's wallet by keeping interest rates high, causing markets to crater, asset prices to go down. And uh, obviously he looks hell Now, there was a lot of thinking in the market that the Fed was going to pivot What does that mean? It means that they're going to back down on raising interest rates because the economy is slowing, housing prices are going down, we have a housing recession, first-time claims for unemployment are going up, uh, regardless of the bogus numbers that come out of the government uh, regarding the GDP and uh, the unemployment rate and all that stuff. The Fed knows what the real situation is. If you think that the U.S. economy in July created 568,000 jobs, you're nuts. And the Fed knows it. But they're hell-bent on continuing to raise interest rates uh, to crush demand. Now, we're seeing demand destruction, you know, in the energy markets. You know, why is gasoline prices come down? Because people aren't buying as much of it. They're not driving as much. They can't afford to. So we're having, you know, a supply and demand equation. I came in today at my local Wawa. The gas was 401. I mean, still, you you know, significantly higher than it was just two years ago, uh, but certainly not 550 like it was. So everything's relative, right? But, uh, yeah, pain is coming, and the pain hit the stock market as soon as you mentioned those words. So uh, in regards to the September rate hike, which is coming, there is going to be a rate hike. We just don't know how much. Uh, He says it hinges on the totality of data. Uh, But most most people now, after listening to the speech, believe that uh, it's three-quarters of 1% again. Powell went on to say, will likely require restrictive policies for some time. So, you know, the chances of the Fed reversing themselves, he's saying, is uh, not going to happen. He also went on to say, history cautions against prematurely loosening policy, even if the markets are tanking and the economy's tanking. Um,. And he's concerned that the longer the current bout of inflation continues, the greater the chance that expectations of higher inflation will become entrenched. And so we're talking inflation expectation. And that's just as important as inflation itself, what people believe is coming. Because if you believe things are going to be more expensive three months from now, you're going to buy more now which is the opposite of demand destruction, right? So he doesn't want inflationary expectations to get out of control. And that's the reason for higher rates. With higher rates comes slower growth, softening labor market. So, you know, people are going to lose their jobs. That's part of the pain. Um, and these are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. And that's what he said. And again, markets did not like it. Now, I want to see what the market does tomorrow. I mean, we have a, a very significant risk in, in tomorrow's market uh, that the sell-off continues and accelerates. So everybody's going to have their, um, their radar on tomorrow to see what the stock market does. But Americans are feeling a lot of pain uh, now. Now. I mean, some of these headlines here, uh, tsunami of shutoffs. One in six U.S. homes are behind on power bills. At least 20 million households, or about one in six American homes, are behind on their power bills. As uh, soaring electricity prices spark what is said to be the worst ever crisis in late utility payments. The worst ever as far as people behind on their electric and natural gas payments. Um, Wow. And as we enter the winter, uh, you're going to start seeing shutoffs. Uh, Natural gas, uh, which fuels about 40% of the U.S. power grid, not to mention heats most of our homes, soared to the highest level since 2008 on Tuesday. And who does this affect the most? Lower income people, of course. Utility shutoffs have become more common across the U.S. as some lower tier households are thousands of dollars behind on their power bills. Uh, And we're going to see, quote unquote, a tsunami of shutoff. I mean, people are like thousands of dollars behind on their, on their power bills. And you got, you got know, anecdotal stories here. Adrienne Nice is one of those struggling Americans who's more than 3000 behind on utility bills. Last month, she received a final notice from power company XL Energy, who turned off the electricity to her studio apartment in Minneapolis as temperatures approached near triple digits. People are feeling the pain now, Jerome Powell. Uh, You're going to make it worse. So there's a new term out there called energy poverty, where people uh, can't afford to pay their power bills. California's PG&E Corp. said there's been a 40% jump in the number of residential customers behind on payments since February 2020. New Jersey's PSE&G said customers at least 90 days later have risen 30% since March. People on the bottom, they can't pay their electric bills, said Mark Wolf, NIADA's executive director. And I've been telling you what's going on. I mean, consumers have maxed out their credit cards. We're seeing credit card debt soaring they depleted their savings they 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 wiped out all their stimulus money any wage gains they've had have been wiped out by inflation and and like europe um we're seeing uh, energy poverty how long is it going to be before the Biden administration starts handing out stimulus checks to pay for your utilities i don't know Uh, Joe Biden's America, 50% of employers expect job cuts in the next 6 to 12 months. Powell Payne, Biden Payne, 50% of larger employers expect job cuts in the next 6 to 12 months, according to a recent survey. 52% of employers will likely institute a hiring freeze, and 44% will rescind job offers. And we're starting to see many companies are, are, are announcing job layoffs. Best Buy, Ford, Peloton, Shopify, Remax, Walmart, Wayfair are all among firms that announced layoffs in recent weeks. But remember, remember uh, in July, five hundred sixty-eight thousand jobs were created, right? Unbelievable. More pain to come, though. A uh, record number of Americans are suffering, quote unquote, surpassing the 2008 crisis levels. A new Gallup poll finds. A plethora of data points show the consumer is absolutely miserable. Real wages trend lower, cost of living skyrockets, the employment market softens, savings rate collapses, credit cards maxed out, and the U.S. economy falls into the technical definition of recession. Um, Gallup's Life Evaluation Index measures the quality of life of Americans by asking respondents if they're thriving, struggling, struggling. Or suffering. The survey is between 0 and 10. Those who check 4 or below are classified as suffering. 7 or higher is thriving. The poll found that 5.6% of Americans rate their lives as suffering, the highest since the index inception in 2008. Prior to that the highest was um, 4.7% and we're at 5.6%. The percentage of respondents classified as thriving fell to 51.2% in July, um, from 59.2% in June 2021. The number of people thriving is at an 18-month low. Again, more evidence that the U.S. consumer, especially lower-income Americans, are hurting. Uh, An NBC poll found 74% of Americans say the country's on the wrong track and that Americans are angry, disappointed, and worried. So you have three-quarters of Americans saying we're in the wrong direction. 58% believe America's best days are behind it, which is the highest percentage on this question dating back to 1990. 68% of voters think the United States is currently in an economic recession. Obviously, there's a lot to worry about, but more pain to come, according to the Federal Reserve. Major U.S. retailers warn lower-income consumers are in trouble. And meanwhile, President Biden and his top advisors that they they bring out there every day have, have been adamant that the consumer is exceptionally strong this summer, despite us entering a technical recession. (coughs) <coughs> but numerous retailers pointed out that less affluent ones are tapped out. And we're seeing companies like McDonald's, Costco, Burlington Stores, Nordstroms, Macy's, Advance Auto Parts, AT and T, Dollar Tree have all echoed a very alarming message that their lower income consumers are scaling back purchases. I mean, of course they are. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, most Americans are paycheck to paycheck. With the higher cost of living, I mean, you can't spend money you don't have. Well, I guess you can. You can go further into debt like most people are. And, uh, you know, companies are seeing it. Walmart. Um. Tough times out there, and and, and here's here's an example of, of how inflation really is outpaced wages in, in, in a big way. In two thousand, the median income of the average American was thirty one thousand nine sixty two. The median income today, twenty two years later, is thirty five thousand nine eighty eight. So that's a four thousand dollar increase in wages or 12.5%, over 22 years. The median new home in 2000 was 166195 The median new home today is 440475 So that's a $275,000 increase in home prices, or 165% increase. Meanwhile, the average wage is up 12.5%. You see how that could be a problem for somebody? Yeah, it's a big problem. If you're one of those people who are struggling, it's a big problem. Uh, What else do we have? Oh. Oh, and food prices. All right. Now, we've been telling you, we've been warning you for months about the coming crisis in food, Uh, and uh, news came out this week about the U.S. crop that's currently in the ground. And I told you we've had major drought and weather problems, not only here in the United States but in Europe and other places around the world, and it's affecting the crop harvest, food that we're going to be supposedly eating next year. So uh, this year's crop harvest uh, is going to have a meaningful impact on, on, on global supplies next year. And early signs from uh, the U.S. crop tour revealed that uh, menacing heat waves and drought this summer had damaged corn and soybean yields. Corn futures in Chicago rose to a six-week high on Tuesday. As crop tours showed much of the Western crop belt is plagued with drought conditions especially in parts of Nebraska and South Dakota where plants aren't producing ears of corn. So uh, I saw a video of one of these people who check out the crops saying that he's never seen anything like this. I mean, you have corn stalks with no ears of corn on. One Minnesota farmer and crop, crop scout one uh, of the uh, uh, apocalyptic state of uh, farmland while on the tour. I heard it was dry but I'm shocked it is as bad as it is he said made it through South Dakota the crop has felt the stress long before pollination some stalks they didn't even try to put on ears <coughs> um, so this is not good stuff and uh crop conditions for soybeans and corn are going to be down significantly. The USDA estimates that only 55% of U.S. corn is in good or excellent shape. What's this mean for corn prices and soybean prices? Higher. We're also seeing meat prices up. Uh, Everything's going up. Everything. Uh, <laughs> you know, good thing we had the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, signed into law last week because that that's going to help us with inflation. You know, it's you know I learned a long time ago is that any act that, that is pushed through Congress. Whatever the title of the act is, just reverse it, and that's the truth, right? The Inflation Reduction Act, all right, by spending $740 billion, uh, that's not going to reduce inflation. But they tell us this, and we're supposed to believe it. The Inflation Reduction Act. They changed it from the Build Back Better to the Inflation Reduction Act, thinking that we're stupid, and we are. And they, the, the Democrats, not one Republican voted for it. They backslapped and cheered when they signed it through Congress, shoving it down our throat. Meanwhile, they're um, they're bringing us down the path to economic misery and potential depression. But it's a good thing because we got that we got that green energy stuff in there, obviously, to save the planet. Seven hundred and thirty-nine billion in expenditures. A lot of it on this green energy that doesn't work. And we throw these numbers around. Like I, said, I love to talk about these numbers. Seven hundred thirty-nine billion, right? So that's what three quarters of a trillion dollars. Well, how much is one billion? A billion hours ago, our ancestors were living in the Stone Age. A billion hours ago, and they're spending seven hundred thirty-nine billion on more stuff. But no worries because, you know, we have 87,000 new armed forces to collect the taxes to lower that budget deficit. And we'll talk about this uh, expansion of the police state, this biggest expansion in history later on in the second hour. Um, so, uh. We have the beginnings of um, a major downturn in the economy. Uh, the Fed is hell-bent on continuing to raise rates in the, in, in the teeth of a softening economy and recessionary economy. Uh, the stock market is reeling, uh, and uh, the average consumer is struggling. Three-quarters of uh, the American public believe the country is going down the wrong path. The president's approval numbers, even though they're manufactured and uh, are much much less than announced, are historic lows. <coughs> they say uh, I think Gallup came out and said he had 38 percent approval rating. Yeah, you believe that? You believe four out of ten people approve of, of Joe Biden what he's doing? You got three quarters of Americans saying we're going down the wrong path, but 40 percent believe he's doing a good job. Uh, the real number is like 11 or 12 percent, by the way according to very good sources that keep track of this stuff. Um, Anyway. So you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. The Fed just told you it would. You're going to take some pain uh, because we have to squelch inflation. And, boy, they're going to squelch inflation because we're going to be in depression and nobody's going to have any money. And if we're all poor, we don't have to worry about inflation anymore. That's the thinking, I guess. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Luz Katigna, don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us?
2: This is the Financial
0: Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio.
1: It's also my pleasure to see to it the decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad
0: pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show
1: Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice.
0: Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician,
1: America's money doctor, Lou
0: Scatigna. All right, welcome to hour two of our two-hour weekly program. We talk money markets and politics. My name's Louis Katigner. I'm a certified financial planner, and you're a money doctor each and every Sunday, live at 92.7 WOBM here on the Jersey Shore. Sundays, 7 to 9 now. Uh, we're in new territory here. We're in the 8 to 9 o'clock hour for the first time uh, in a long time. So uh, great to be a little bit later here. Hopefully more of you are up and able to listen to the program live. But if you missed any of the show, just go to the We will have the podcast up right after the show and you'll be able to listen to the show at your leisure. And so many of you do listen to the podcast and whether you listen live or you listen to the podcast, we don't really care as long as you listen to your weekly, uh, two hour dose of reality here on, uh, the financial, uh, physician, love your emails, Lou at the financial com. Get a personal finance question or something uh, you want me to cover on the program, I just want to say hello. Love your emails. We get a lot of great emails from our listeners, and I answer each and every one. And if I don't, just send it again. Because, like all of us, we all get a lot of garbage emails, and it could get lost. And, and uh, I absolutely, if I see your email, I will respond to it. Typically, shortly after you send it to me, um, I'm pretty good at responding to emails when I see them. That's uh, Lou at the financial uh, dot com. All right, let's uh, and also the phone number here is 237 732 237 9626 if you want to be a part of the program. Now this week um in what can only be described as uh buying votes uh Joe Biden and his administration forgave $10,000 um, of student loans uh for those making 125,000 or less and forgave $20,000 in Pell Grants. Uh, uh, so if you're married, and you both have college debt, and you make 250000 or less, you can get $20,000 forgiveness of regular student loans and uh, $20,000 forgiveness each of Pell Grants. Now, first of all, Where does the president have the authority to decide who pays debt, what debt, and who doesn't? It's total lawlessness. This is something that Congress would have to deal with. But this administration cares nothing about the law, the Constitution, nothing. They're lawless, totally lawless. And this is a lawless move by Biden to buy votes 60-something days before a midterm election. You want to talk about, about abuse of power? And besides people who owe the debt and a lot of the left in this country, most people think this is ridiculous. Including Obama's economic advisor, Jason Furman, American economist, professor at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government. Uh, He was named by President Barack Obama as the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. So, you know, he's a pretty big wig when it comes to this stuff. He goes on to say, pouring roughly half a trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that is already burning is reckless. Doing it while going well beyond one campaign promise and breaking another uh, that it's paid for uh, is even worse. And he goes on to say that the White House fact sheet has sympathetic examples about a construction worker making 38000 and a married nurse making 77000 a year. But then why design a policy that would provide up to $40,000 to a married couple making 249000 Why include law and business school students? Um, and that's it. This is, th- th- this is uh, mainly going to go to The upper echelon, people with graduate debt, graduate degrees. And that's why they made it up to $250,000 for a married couple. So these people have graduate degrees, which means they're probably going to have pretty good uh, income and jobs. And they're being bailed out by a plumber or a middle class taxpayer that didn't go to college. How would you feel if last month you finally paid off your last student loan? All right? How would you feel? And now they're forgiving $10,000. Wait a second. How about me? I I paid for my daughter's college. She didn't have any student loans because I saved and prepared for it. Well, I'm an idiot. And that's what a lot of people are going to think. I should have took out loans. And you know what? If they're forgiving 10000 now, they're going to forgive more in the future. Because once you open this can of worms, they're going to continue to do it. And it's blatantly political. And uh, this is just the Biden administration sticking it to the little guy again. Nobody forced anybody to go to college. Nobody forced anybody to take out loans. (laughs) And the Fed's uh, ability to finance everybody's college debt is what enabled these colleges to raise tuitions and fees and everything else way above the inflation rate. How about talking about tuition costs and getting that under control? Maybe people wouldn't have to take out Tens of thousands of dollars in debt. <coughs> but no, I mean, these, 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 these universities, they fund all these gender uh, things, inclusivity officers and everything else with six-figure incomes to indoctrinate our kids into wokeism. So we have middle-class families. And I laid it out to you earlier. Struggling to pay for their energy costs, their food. And uh, Biden uh, decides to throw cash at the university base. And uh, most Americans believe this is going to be obviously inflationary. You know, you don't. There's no such thing as forgiving debt. You just transfer it to somebody else, right? It sounds easy. Just forgive it. All right, just forgive it. Nobody's hurt. It's not the way it works. So what authority uh, does the president have to do this? Well, when asked about it, uh, this press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, black, female, transgender, LBGT. She's an alphabet person, okay, whatever you want. That's a new term I'm coining. You're an alphabet person. If you're one of these crazy, (coughs) don't-know-who-you-are kind of thing, you're an alphabet person. Um, I never thought that I would be uh, missing Peppermint Patty. (laughs) But I I miss her. I mean, at least she had a head on her shoulders. She'll lie through her teeth to you. uh, But at least she, you know, you could say she was up for the job. This... uh, Karine Jean-Pierre has no clue. Uh, And she just stammers around. So what is the authority? She was asked what the authority was, and she mentioned the HEROES Act. The HEROES Act was a coronavirus pandemic uh, act that gave the president certain powers to help people. And she's using that uh, as cover for why he can do this. And by the votes, uh, just before an election. And she was called out on it. <laughs>
3: Emergency, has COVID national emergency when it comes to students? So it's, it's a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, look, we use the Heroes Act uh, because there are going to be some, be some people when we lift the pause; they still going to suffer. They're still going to have a little bit of a hard time, uh, and so that's one of the reasons uh, that uh, uh, we made this this decision. Uh, because as we're lifting up the pause, yes, you know, some folks may the having not to pay for two years has been helpful to them, uh, and are we're able to save, and we're able are probably going to be able to to. Uh, pay those monthly payments but there's going to be some folks who are going to have a hard time uh, because um, uh, because they're just in a different bracket right it just because they it is they've, they've probably had a hard time before we have to remember this is a system so he announced the pause lifting up the pause, he announced the 10000 and up to 20000 for Pell Grant recipients who, uh, as I said, uh, many of them have a household nearly making 60000 and, and half of that, uh, half of the Pell Grant recipients are 30000 household, $30,000 a year household. Uh, and-
0: so she has no explanation as to why the HEROES Act is used. Well, some people may still be struggling. What about people struggling to pay their mortgage? Where is the cancellation of that debt? What about the people who are struggling to pay car payments as uh, repossessions start to soar? Why is it students in college that get relief? And by the way, if you go to college and have a college degree, you're going to be doing much better uh, than anybody who doesn't have one historically. So why should the people who don't have college degrees have to pay for the people that do? You see the moral hazard here. And now more and more people are going to say, look, I'm not going to save for college. I'm going to take loans out because sooner or later, part of it will be forgiven. Because you can't do it once and not do it again. Now, another, uh, as you could tell by that that answer, she never answered the question. She just went in circles. Well, you know, people are still going to be struggling and, you know, different brackets and what have you. Now, she was also asked, um, I mean, who's paying for the student loan forgiveness? Um Peter Ducey from Fox News, you know, asked the question. I mean, you say this is paid for. Who's paying for it?
3: has done, the work that the Democrats in Congress has done is actually there, and you see that the $1.7 trillion uh, deficit, and deficit uh, deduction that you see is is going to benefit us in being able to do something for the middle class, to do something of. for the middle class. This forgive. is about doing something for people who make less than $125,000. $1.7 trillion. That's what we've been able to do.
2: you dead.
3: give you the second part. We lifted the pause, right? We're going to lift the pause uh, at the end of this year, which is going to matter, right? Which is going to offset uh, a lot of what what we're doing as well. Uh, when you think about the the four billion dollars that are going that's going to go back uh, into as as revenue back into uh, this process of folks uh, paying paying, right? Their college tuition that matters as well. So we are doing this in a smart way. We're doing this in a way that's going to be effective, uh, we're doing in this a way that keeps to the president's promise on giving people who need some breathing room, so who needs some breathing right room. Right. I just, I just laid out, I just laid out for you. No, Peter, I just laid out for you how we're seeing this process and why this well, matters. Again, I just laid out, exactly. I just, I just laid out because of the work that we have done in the economy, because of the American Rescue.
0: So she has no answer. Who's paying for it? Just uh, the the work we've done in the economy, uh, blah, 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 blah. what does that mean? The $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction, which is a misnomer because the deficit was big the year before, Biden because of all the stimulus that went out during the pandemic. So since they created such this great economy, which I laid out to you in the first hour is, is not great, that's, that's who's paying for it. Huh? And and also, uh, it is uh because people are gonna start paying their payments again in January, we're gonna have some cash flow coming in, so that'll pay for it. No it doesn't. No it doesn't. So she's stuttering through this and he keeps asking her, you know, who's gonna pay for it? When you forgive debt, you're not you're not disappearing debt. Who's paying for it? And she just kept talking in circles. Um, God, I miss Peppermint Patty. I can't believe I say that. <coughs> peppermint Patty. Uh, so what else? I mean, uh, everybody's saying this is what it is. It's this is three hundred billion dollars, by the way, at least three hundred billion. Nothing. Seven hundred billion a year, three hundred billion there, right? In an economy that's hyperinflationary, no problem. It may even be as high as five hundred billion when it's over. It's no such thing as debt forgiveness. It's a debt transfer to the taxpayer. But people are struggling. You know, we care about the middle class. Don't you care about the middle class? But why student loan debt? Why is it that debt? Maybe because graduates of universities and graduate students are a liberal, woke leftists? Could be. But people are pretty... Uh, Pretty uh, stoked about this. I am very upset about this. Because it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair to the people who paid off their debt. It's not fair to the people who scrimped and saved uh, to build up a college fund for their kids. It's not fair to people who didn't go to college and decided to become. A plumber or some other uh vocation. And I think people are really steamed about this. Unless you have student loan debt, then you're 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 thrilled. And now you know what's gonna happen? Uh ah, colleges are just gonna pump up tuition even more now. People could borrow more money because they had ten thousand forgiven. Now, Nancy Pelosi has said in the past uh, that the plan was unconstitutional. This was in April. She said that uh, Joe Biden doesn't have the constitutional authority to wipe out student loans. This isn't even a tough call. Courts will all strike it down. Total political ploy. That's not what she said. That's what a commentator is saying. But she said he doesn't have the right to do it. So are the courts gonna strike it down? My guess is yes. My guess is yes. So a lot of people saying, Well, you know, why don't they take ten thousand off my car loan? I'm struggling. IRS is, uh, waiving. This is some good news for somebody who owes penalties on their taxes. The IRS is waiving 1.2 billion in taxpayer penalties. Uh, now these are for, uh, penalties for people who, who fail to file their 2019 and 2020 returns in a timely manner during the pandemic. Uh, they're going to either refund, uh, penalties that people have paid them. um, Or they're going to just abate them for anybody who still has outstanding penalties for not filing on time. So I guess this is a good thing. Anytime you can have um, IRS penalties abated, it's a good thing. Um, You don't have to do anything. It'll automatically be credited to you or abated. So there's no filing that anybody has to do that owes penalties for their 2019 and 20 uh, 20 tax return. You have to file your taxes. Um, But that's a a good thing for people who owe that money to the IRS. Now, I mentioned that the IRS, and as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, is hiring 87,000 employees um, to audit Americans. Now, uh, how could this go wrong? Oh, you remember Lois Lerner and her targeting of conservative groups when she was um, with the Obama um, I said Obama administration uh Obama administration. Uh let me refresh your memory on it. Hundreds of conservative groups were targeted. Constitutional groups, groups that criticized the Obama administration. At least two pro life groups were audited were targeted, a 180-year-old Baptist paper, a Texas voting rights group, uh, a Hollywood conservative group, conservative activists and businesses, conservative Hispanic group, 10% of Tea Party donors were ordered by the IRS. So, I mean, the IRS can be weaponized. And it has in the past. And uh, who are they naming to be in charge of this? Well, they named this person Nicole Flax. who's going to be the chief of staff. Um, She was the chief of staff, of former IRS commissioner, Stephen Miller, who was fired in the week of the targeting scandal. So she was right in the middle of that scandal. And now she's going to be head of the department for these new 87,000 new auditors. (coughs) What can go wrong there? right. Oh, by the way, uh, Congress wanted to see all of her emails, and uh, the IRS lost all of Nicole's emails, as they lost all of uh, Lois Lerner's emails, and uh, there was some problem with the computer. You know, you know how you notice how this always happens? Oh, oh, we lost them. Oh, they were erased by by accident. So this Nicole Flax is the perfect pick for the government to target and destroy any uh, conservative voter in America. You know what? Everything is corrupt or corrupted. Do you notice that? Everything. And that's a sad state of affairs for our country. Everything is corrupted government at all levels, the media, entertainment industry, the health industry. Big Pharma, the IRS, everything, the FBI, every institution that we trusted and part of the fabric of our society is corrupted. And that's a terrible state for the country to be in. When you can't trust anything. And that's why Americans are so jaded right now. We don't trust anything. We have no confidence. I mean, the FBI is totally corrupt. The intelligence community is totally corrupt. And we're quickly turning into a a third-rate banana republic. And it's a, it's a very, very, very sad state of affairs. And everything is being run by corrupt people, uh, uh, and the corruption runs deep. Our, our university and our, our, our education system, totally corrupt and politicized. Every single institution in the country, or in the world, really, is corrupt and non-functional, or at least functioning not for the people, but for the corrupt people running it. And it's a terrible, terrible situation. All right, let's take a break. Seven three two two three seven nine six two six is the call number. My name is Don't Go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments, and host of The Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino, but there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732- 905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the manager. Manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna a Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did.
1: Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations will you help they greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies like small bottles of shampoo lotion mints and more please visit always supporting our military on facebook email pasr at yahoo.com or call 908-278-9561 that's 908-278-9561 every little bit helps Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna.
0: All right. We're in the home stretch here, last 28 minutes of our two-hour program where we talk money, markets, and politics. Luz Katigna here, certified financial planner. And your money doctor. Each and every Sunday, 7 to 9, here on 92.7 WOBM or anytime at com, where we have the podcast of the program, which goes up right after the show is over. So you're just stumbling on our program now. Maybe you're on the parkway or you're on your way to the beach or church uh, and you say, geez, I'd like to hear more of that show. Uh, just go to com and listen to the, the podcast and you can listen to the parts uh, that you missed. My email is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, I love your emails and I, I certainly answer each and every one. Now, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is going to go down in history, is probably uh, comparable to Adolf Hitler, I believe. Uh, Once more and more information starts coming out about his role uh, in the creation of COVID-19, as well as his uh, involvement with uh, the highly toxic vaccines that are becoming more and more obvious with each passing day, He announced uh, conveniently Monday that he's going to be stepping down uh, by the end of the year, uh, just after the midterm elections. And some people are saying he's getting out of Dodge right now because he knows what's coming down on his head. Uh, And the Republicans in Congress said they're going to investigate all this uh, and find out his role in the whole thing. And, And, you know, he gets you know, he's the highest paid government worker, Dr. Fauci, of anybody in the U.S. government. Uh, the number one, he makes something like four hundred seventy-five thousand a year, more than the president, more than anybody, and he's been in government for fifty years. Not to mention, you know, the kickbacks he gets from big farmer and all these other uh, money. Also, he has patents and he gets royalties on on certain uh, technology that's being used in vaccines and so forth. There's gonna be a lot to learn about uh this this little man um, who's uh shut down everything. Oh n- now he's saying he didn't shut down anything. Uh he's just trying to re rewrite history. So he said that uh I'm moving from my current positions, but I'm not retiring. <laughs> he said I'm not retiring in the classic sense, and he's gonna devote himself to uh uh an undoubtedly a uh, profitable circuit of traveling, writing, and encouraging young people to enter government service. So as long as I'm healthy, which I am, and I'm energetic, which I am, I'm passionate, which I am, I want to do more things, some things outside of the realm of the federal government. This guy's addicted to making money is really what it comes down to, and he's addicted to the camera. Uh, he loved the attention he's getting uh, in the last two and a half years. Um... But uh, a lot of people don't have a very good view of the, the good doctor, um, including uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, he stated to the NIH, National Institute of Health, to maintain all records regarding Dr. Fauci. And he goes on to say, we're going to use subpoena power to bring forth all the records. Um, and he said, we're going to get to the root of Everything. You know, just recently, Fauci was booed by crowds while throwing out the first pitch at the Seattle game. Remember that? He's not well liked. <clears throat> and one person that doesn't like him is uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, now I like this guy. I mean, if, if Trump doesn't run, this guy is going to be the candidate. No doubt. Uh, and I think he'd win. Uh, we'll see if Trump runs, if he is, um, you know, going to run as his running mate. I don't know but uh obviously uh people in florida like him uh so this is what he had to say about the good dr fauci you
1: have people like fauci saying that his lockdowns didn't cause any permanent damage to any young kids i got news for you it did and we are going to read rewards across the whole country for years and years and years because they treated kids so poorly. And I'm just sick of seeing him. I know he says he's going to retire. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac.
0: <laughs> Someone should grab that little elf and <laughs> chuck him across the Potomac. Uh, don't hold back there, Ron. <clears throat> Uh, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh, he also uh, took action this week. He eliminated ESG from state pension investments. You know what ESG is? This is the social and corporate governance movement. Environmental, social, and corporate governance. This is wokeism. That's what it is. <coughs> and companies now are being rated on the extent of their wokeism. And a lot of state pensions and so forth are only allowing their fund managers to make investments that involve uh, a high ESG score. So now we're not investing to make money for our pension system; we're investing for social wokeness, corporate governance. They make up this stuff, you know. It's just just infuriating what's going on here. So he basically uh, passed a resolution directing Florida's fund managers to make investments that do not involve the ideological gender of the ESG. He goes on to say, corporate power has increasingly been utilized to impose an agenda on American people through the perversion of financial investment priorities under the euphemistic banners of environmental, social and corporate governance, and diversity, inclusion and equity. So he's ordered uh, state investment managers not to invest in companies based on their ESG score. Smart. Where's the rest of the Where's the rest of the country saying that? So it's becoming more and more obvious now, and that's another reason I said earlier, Fauci is uh, leaving office or retiring, whatever you want to call it is that it's becoming quite evident just by statistics alone that this vaccine uh is a really bad thing uh that's been shoved down our arms shoulders whatever uh and many many people now are getting sick or having injuries or dying from the um from the vaccine uh uh and you're hearing uh, every day i see these headlines of, of totally healthy young people dropping dead (coughs) 17 year old girl dies after suffering unknown medical episode during army national guard physical training they don't say why it just died suddenly unknown causes well we know what there's only one thing that's different nowadays everybody's being forced to get this vaccine which some have called a bioweapon that is uh, changing our DNA, hurting our immune system, uh, and doing the opposite of what it's supposed to do. Many people who are getting COVID are are vaccinated and boosted, including the president, his wife, uh, Dr. Fauci himself. Now, I don't believe for a second that Dr. Fauci actually took the vaccine because I think he knows what's in it. I don't think any of these elites actually took the vaccine. Uh, but Greg Hunter, uh, Greg Hunter has this website called USAWatchdog.com. He used to be a reporter for, I think NBC and CNN. It's uh, a pretty well-known guy. And he's been railing against this vaccine pretty much from the beginning. And he's, he's bringing doctors on, you know, to talk about it. And this week he had on a a doctor. I've heard her before, Elizabeth Eads. She uh, is unwavering in coming out and talking about uh, what this vaccine is. And she just recently wrote an article entitled mass medical bankruptcy and collapse coming. And, um, she says it's gonna get much worse before it's over. And she said that worldwide there are ten thousand deaths a day from COVID vaccines from data all around the world. Uh and a lot of these reports are underreported. They don't make it into any official website. Uh and she goes on, she says Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the FDA, and the CDC. They all know what's coming. And she said they know this. They planned for it. They knew the consequences. And she said they made these vaccines and booster shots to be more lethal. And that your immune system is destroyed by it. And this is just a part of her interview that I highly recommend you listen to. Go to USAWatchdog.com. It's a, I think it's an hour and 20 minutes, and it's really um, revealing.
4: Well, I believe it's going to get worse. Um, I read an article in Natural News that uh, worldwide there are 10,000 deaths from these COVID vaccines daily. And that's a culmination of uh, data uh, from every country uh, collected from Israel, UK, Canada, um, U.S., and uh, Brazil. And 10,000 a day, they're estimating we already are up to 12 million deaths. Uh, Steve Kirsch and his uh, crew uh, estimate um, about a million uh, deaths uh, so far. The underreporting factor is 40. Um, the, uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. So
2: a million deaths so far in America, and they're underreporting by 40 times. You're talking about 40 million people have died from this crap?
4: No, not 40 million. He's estimating from the, the current bear's oh. death data times 40. It's actually 441, his underreporting factor. Oh. Um, uh, that we're about a, a million just based on the bear's data, um, but he has not included the CICP database either. So um, worldwide, we're looking at um, a good estimate right now with the data that we've received from around the world, 12 million, but they're estimating um, over the next year to two where we're going to see more deaths, more autoimmune disease, more cancer, um between one and two billion is what that article uh is is estimating.
0: So uh you know, she's uh a brave doctor that's come out and there's a number of them that have that I follow. Uh but so many doctors have come out against the, the vaccine, they've been shut down. Um they've lost their licenses, they've been threatened. Um but uh, she goes on to say that every time you get a shot, you lose more of your immune system. You lose 30% after the first shot, 60 to 70% after the second shot, 80% or more after the third shot, and you lose 100% of your immune system after the fourth shot. And you also have the propensity to develop vaccine induced AIDS. I, I, I call that VAIDS. You remember way back when I was calling it VAIDS? People getting Vades vaccine. Acquired immune deficiency. You could also get heart disease, myocarditis, uh, pericarditis, uh, blood clot, strokes, brain disease, extreme shingles. Uh, doctors are seeing fast spreading extreme cancers in people, um, and people are, are waking up to the fact that oh my gosh, what did I do to my immune system, and this is irreversible. Um and now you're hearing the term sudden adult death syndrome. SADs. Nobody dies of sudden death if they're otherwise healthy people. There's no such thing. How about this? Uh uh the all-cause all mortality rate in the military is now up 1100%. All causes. Uh, wasn't everybody in the military mandated to get the shot? Uh, yes. And now we have 1,100% increase in deaths. No uh, cause and effect there, I'm sure. Uh, how about this? The top five life insurance companies are banding together, and they to going to file a class action lawsuit against Big Pharma. Oh, they're the ones paying out all these death benefits, Right. Yeah, I'm reading about insurance companies. They're saying that their death claims are just skyrocketed in the last couple of years. I wonder why. And now these life insurance companies are saying, "Wait a second, uh, you know we're being hurt financially by Big Pharma, and we're going to sue them." Now I don't know. Uh, I mean, you can't sue Pfizer or Moderna. Well, they could sue each other because Moderna is suing Pfizer for their patent. So um, uh, I guess they could sue each other. But can insurance companies sue Big Pharma? I I guess they can. They're filing a class action lawsuit. But she says the whole medical system is going to collapse on this because not only is Big Pharma liable, but hospitals, doctors, nurses, drugstore chains, anybody who made this vaccine available. And you're talking billions of dollars, and they're not going to be able to afford to pay all these claims. And uh, the stock that I just played for you, she goes, it's going to bankrupt Big Farmer, and Big Farmer will end up collapsing. Hospitals will also end up collapsing because they were complicit. So um, I don't know if that's a good thing. Do we want Big Farmer uh, to collapse uh, in bankruptcy? I don't know. I don't. All right, let's talk about um, uh, the outrageous uh, weaponized FBI raid against uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, They released the affidavit uh, to get the warrant, and of course, it was totally, anything important was redacted. Uh, Which is what the FBI does, is they, they never give you, they just leave enough information out in there that will make you look bad but redacted everything else uh, that make them look bad. Which were sheet pages upon pages of redacted. So we don't learn anything from this affidavit and I didn't expect that we would. Well Merrick Garland said we want to be transparent. Well I can't see transparency through this black mark uh, that goes across the affidavit. It's the opposite of transparency I believe. Uh, so, Trump made fun of it. He put out a statement. <coughs> it was totally blacked out except for four words. Trump's statement said, Make America Great again, spor- sporadically throughout his statement. And everything else was black. Uh, pretty funny. So, some, Trump sued um, over the raid and wanted a, a special master to review the documents. You know, when documents are taken from you, and there's some question about whether or not is attorney-client privilege or executive privilege or whatever, uh, the court usually names a special master to go through the documents and make sure they're appropriate. Now, what could that will do now, given that the FBI took everything and looked through it? Uh, I don't know. But last night it was announced that um, a special um, master will be uh, appointed by the, uh, by the court uh, to go through the documents and return to Trump the documents that they should not have. <coughs> but this uh this warrant that was issued, you know, allowed them to take anything they thought maybe potentially uh, problems problem. All right, what else do we got here? Um uh, uh, New York City. Um You know, uh, Texas has has been bussing these illegal aliens that are coming across the border because of Biden's policies uh, to D.C. and to New York City. Uh, He sent, uh, I think, 7,500 migrants to D.C. and 1,500 to New York City. Of course, these mayors are complaining about it. They don't want this in their backyard, right? They're for all letting everybody in, but just not shipping them to my state or city, right? Uh, You had a a Washington, D.C. mayor uh, requesting the Pentagon to send National Guard. They've refused. Uh, New York City uh, mayor is um, crying about Abbott sending this. Uh, He goes, we're a nation of laws. It's time to start enforcing them. Doing that would restore the humanity. He's clamoring for it. Uh, So Greg Abbott will have none of it. He says, oh, you're sanctuary cities. You know, we're sending you people, you know. If you don't like it, then tell Biden to shut the border. So uh, D.C. mayor announced this week that uh, he's using 14 hotels to house migrants being busted from Texas. So now they get, what do they get? They get a cell phone. They get money. They get health care. They get food. And now they get to stay in the luxury hotels. Uh, Meanwhile, we have um, homeless all over the place. I mean, it's just crazy. This stuff doesn't make any sense. How about our veterans who are struggling and homeless? Where's their payout? Where's their forgiveness of debt? We don't see any of that. But you can't call homeless homeless now. The L.A. Homeless Services Authority has put out a call for the word homeless to be dropped, claiming that the term is outdated and dehumanizing and leads to othering. Paul, what's othering? You know what othering is? I have no idea. <coughs> to make up these words, I don't know what they mean. Anybody knows what othering is, I would like to know that. Um, the authority, which has the word homeless in its name, wants to see it replaced with terms such as people who live outside. in in order to emphasize personhood over housing status. I'm not homeless. I just like to live outside Uh, in 30-degree weather. So the the L.A. Homeless Services Authority released a statement this week. Our unhoused neighbors are human. They're, They're unhoused now. They're not homeless. They're just unhoused. Uh, are human, and the language we use should reflect that. Let's abandon outdated othering and dehumanizing terminology and instead adopt people-centered language that emphasize personhood over housing status. (coughs) So what other terms are off limits now? How about bum? Can you say bum? Is this person a bum? Uh, Or how about the mentally ill homeless uh, how about drug addicts? Can we can we call them that? Uh, of course, none of this will actually do anything to improve the life of the homeless, uh, which is growing everywhere. Uh, it's got to be worse now, but figures from 2020, January 2020, show that more than 580,000 people were homeless in the U.S. on any given night. An estimated 226,000 of them sleeping outside in cars or abandoned buildings, and the rail number is likely to be exponentially higher. In 2019, the Los Angeles head of homelessness resigned, head of uh, the Department of People Who Live Outside, after presiding over a 33% increase in homelessness over the course of five years. Can't use the word homeless. They're changing the definitions of everything, changing what you could say and can't say. Just a common way of dealing, not dealing, avoiding dealing with major issues in society. Um, Pedophiles are now described as minor attracted persons. That's all. I'm not a pedophile. I'm just attracted to minors. While women or mothers are being replaced with birthing people or pregnant people, got to appease the people with gender dysphoria or just straight-up mental illness, I guess, um, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine in the U.S. has issued a new guide advising hospitals and health cares to change their language to be more gender-inclusive. The guide lists traditional terms such as breast milk, and then suggest woke alternatives, including human milk, parents' milk, and most ridiculously, father's milk. Uh, dictionaries are changing the definition of the word female to include anyone who identifies as one. We face a future where if you type the wrong word, Google will correct your language to help you become more inclusive. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts what's going on in this country, in this world. Uh, an elementary school in New Jersey is joining the woke trend to erase our founding fathers. Jefferson Elementary School in South Orange, New Jersey, named to honor the man who wrote the Declaration of Independence, will be renamed Delilah Bolden Elementary School. Bolden was the first black woman to graduate high school from the area. You know, for Marxism and socialism and communism to take hold, everything that came before it must be burnt to the ground. And that's what they're doing. These radical leftists are, are committed to erasing our history and then changing it, removing statues, names on schools. They're just trying to eradicate the history of our country. And they're very successful. They're, they've become very successful at it. Ah... Uh. There's a new federal task force, the Derogatory Geographic Names Task Force. Their job is to rename 660 mountains, rivers, and landmarks to remove racist language. Rather than addressing rampant crime, taxes, and corruption, Lori Lightfoot Chicago renamed Daniel Boone Elementary School because he owned slaves and for his treatment of Indians. Yeah. Meanwhile, how many people were shot over the weekend in Chicago? At least they're doing the job of renaming schools there. Oh, God. Um, There's also even a petition to try to rename St. Louis. So anyway, back to uh, to Jefferson uh, Elementary School here in New Jersey. It's changing its name after a successful year-long campaign to end its association with Thomas Jefferson due to his slave ownership. And um, Jefferson Elementary School is being renamed the Lila Bolden Elementary School, to honor the first Black woman to graduate high school. The name was selected by the student body from a list of choices. Unbelievable. Um. So, anybody who owned slaves, which was, would very virtually every uh, founding father did back in the day. Uh, we have to change the name of the schools. Insanity, my friends. Insanity abounds in our country. Nothing makes sense anymore. Everything's corrupt, as I said earlier on. And we're all struggling to get through these crazy economic times and crazy political times. And we're here to bring it to you here each and every week here on The Financial Physician. Remember the website... Thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the podcast of the show. to be up shortly after the show is over. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, if you want to come in for a financial review, a comprehensive financial review, 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week, and join me next Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.